The Women in Media podcast is proudly sponsored by Organic Traditions for spring 2024. Stay tuned for a special deal during this episode. I'm Sarah Burke, and this is the Women in Media podcast. I'm thrilled to be back at it with new episodes after taking a little summer break to enjoy the lake with the fam. But it's time to get new episodes rolling, especially this week with the 2022 International Ice Hockey Federation World Junior Championship in Edmonton. A quick note before we jump in with my fantastic guest. At the time of this episode's release, the federal government has frozen Hockey Canada's funding after we learned the organization had settled a lawsuit with a woman who alleged she was sexually assaulted by members of the 2018 men's junior team in London, Ontario. Since, we've also learned that members of the 2003 team are under investigation for similar behavior in Nova Scotia. Investigations are ongoing. It's possible you know today's guest as the front woman of Canadian rock band Joy Drop, but maybe you also know her from morning television or maybe even Rogers Hometown Hockey. I think I've been punished sort of overtly and covertly for, for speaking my mind at times. I think there were some gigs I didn't necessarily get. Working in hockey is hard, but mm. when you have seen the beauty of the game, then you can't turn your back. My guest today is an actress turned rock star turned broadcaster, Tara Sloan. Someone warned me that your name was Tara, not Tara. Tara Sloan. It's true. I'm a Tara. I used to be very indignant about it when I was younger. It's Tara, <laughs> not Tara. But now I don't correct people, but sure, Tara. <laughs> Over that now. Well, it's um, it's certainly been um, an eventful few weeks in sports, um, especially here in Canada, but also um, some news about your career at the time of recording this. It's uh, mm -hmm. late July. And uh, you've just sort of announced your, your news that you and Sportsnet are no longer. And I read the um, athletic article, which I thought summed up, you know, a wonderful experience, but how you're not really done. And there's still some things that uh, you definitely want to accomplish. How are you feeling a couple weeks of reflecting later? You know, it's, it's weird. It's a strange experience because I think we all kind of saw it coming. You know, um, the last two years of doing hometown hockey have been very difficult. We were pulled off the road, of course. And then our last season, we did 14 out of 25 stops. So, you know, we were halted mid-season. And so we were a bit of a COVID casualty. So I think to us, you know, that um, plus the fact that it had been eight years, we've been to 150 plus communities and it, it f had that feeling like it had run its course. Of, of course, you could get to so many more beautiful communities, but uh had an inkling that, that this was coming, that change was in the air. So I had emotionally sort of prepared myself for this, but I don't know. You, you can prepare all you want, but, you know, when you hear the words canceled, you're like, oh. It's a so big it, part of your life too, eight yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. It hurts to leave this team. You know, so many of us have been there right from the very start. It was a very collaborative show and a lot of emotional investment. Uh, and a lot of really wonderful and um, experiences and learnings. So I'll, I will miss my colleagues a great deal. But, you know, I, I feel so good uh, about the legacy that we have left behind. I was going to say there's almost like a bit of a like a bigger picture legacy for that show, but also like a personal legacy for you. Talk about the, yeah. the differences between those two things. Well, I think that hometown hockey actually blazed a bit of a trail. I think at the time of its inception, we were telling stories that weren't really told 
on national hockey broadcasts. You know, I think you see, you see more of those kinds of features and that kind of storytelling now. But we delved into some really difficult areas. We talked about sexual abuse and, and mental health and, and sickness and overcoming challenges and um, racism. So I think we we approached a lot of topics. And I think it was really the only show of its kind. Of course, there was Hockey Day in Canada once a year and Craft Hockeyville once a year. But the fact that we were able to showcase communities across the country 25 weekends a year was made made it really different and really special. And for me, I'm proud to have been part of it. It was, you know, a, a blessing. <laughs> it was, uh, I, I'm just enormously humbled that they, these communities let us come in. They kind of gave us the red carpet treatment and they thanked us, but really we didn't deserve the thanks. It's them who who deserve to be thanked profusely. So it was, it was just, um, yeah, it was an amazing experience. And for me, I think it also really cultivated um, my, you know, where my heart lives now, which is promoting equity in sport and change in culture and uh, women in sport. So I have hometown hockey to thank for that as sort of a, a launching pad to what I think will be the next chapter. And there's lots to talk about there, but I do want to hear the story. Like I read about you hustling your way into that. And I just feel like that's a story that I need to, I need to get on the podcast as well. Like reach out to someone pretty high up and Rogers and be like, I want this. How did that happen? Yeah. You know, um, I hadn't even thought about writing a letter. So what basically I was working at city TV in Calgary. I was hosting breakfast television there City TV is owned by Rogers. Sportsnet is owned by Rogers. I had already crossed paths with Scott Moore, who was the president then of Sportsnet. And then I was doing some smaller gigs. I was doing some CHL games and um, some curling, provincial curling <laughs> championships. And I wanted to get my foot in the door. So I did have a relationship with him. It wasn't exactly a cold call, but yeah, it wasn't exactly a big fish either. Um, and I was on one of those curling gigs and there was a producer named Rick Briggs Jude and a lot of sports people will know exactly who he is. And I said, I read about this thing called Rogers hometown hockey. I, I want to do it. He said, well, do they know that? And I said, well, no. He said, well, <laughs> you better tell them. So I, that's what I did. I wrote Scott Moore a letter and I think I have it somewhere on my desktop. It and, should be on like your wall. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do think it's, it's a, you know, the moral of the story is if you don't put your name out there, you're, they're never going to know you're interested. So what do you have to lose? They could say no. Or in my case, they could say yes. Yeah. And so, yeah. So your name is obviously like, you know, people know you as someone who's been in the music scene and then, you know, the morning television hosting and then. Uh, broadcasting in sort of the latest chapter. Where did all of this sort of public spotlight start for you? What did you first <laughs> want to do? Was it was it music like, or could you have when you were like a little girl seen yourself doing TV? No, it was music, but it wasn't Always? even it wasn't rock music. As much as I loved rock music, and I worked at Sam the Record Man all through high school, uh, I, I wanted to be an opera singer, and that's what I that's what I really studied hard. Um, starting from when I was about 12, 
I took lessons. I was in every single choir. I was in the Canadian Children's Opera Chorus. Uh, that's what I did. And that's where I started my, my university path, started and um, fizzled out really quickly because, frankly, I did not have the discipline. In high school, you can kind of get away with being like, you know, practicing a little and still being good. And then you get into the university setting where everybody's really good. And if you don't practice, you're done. And I just... Let's face it, I was 18. I just didn't have it. So so that's what I wanted to do. And then from there, I thought, well, I wanted to keep performing. And that's when I ended up going to theater school. And I mean, you know, one thing sort of beget the next. It, it Nothing is really that far-fetched. Um, and broadcasting, it wasn't something that I had contemplated, but it, it seemed like a combination of all the things I had already done. And um, when I first entered the broadcasting world, I it was in entertainment. So that to me made a lot of sense. I've been interviewed lots in my life and I knew what it, I knew at least what it was like to have a, a bad interview. And I knew what it was like <laughs> to have a good interview. You know, I knew when somebody hadn't done their homework and how that affected me as an interview subject. So so every, everything kind of one thing led to another. It's it's not as as weird as it, it seems. Yeah. Well, what is a, like, what's a bad interview for you? And what's a good interview for you? And talk about it from both <clears throat> sides of that. Uh, it's so interesting that you have been on both sides. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, my, my first experiences were as a musician putting out albums. You know, you, you put your heart and soul into this product and it was really just a matter of somebody who was curious, interested, and engaged and invested and did a little bit more digging than just reading what whatever the single came, was. Yeah, or came across yeah. their desk or asked questions like, what's the album about? You know, you can you can tell. And it's the same. It's it's in music and in any form of media when you have somebody who is curious and listening. I think that in itself just creates a space where you want to talk and you want to open up and you're going to give your best answers. So I had a lot of those experiences where it was just, it was either somebody hadn't done their homework or it veered off into, oh, you're a, you're a chick in, in rock. Um, Woohoo. You know, yeah. <laughs> You're hot. <laughs> so, like, you know, there, there, we had, it was a shock jock era too. We had a lot of those kind of. Totally. From like your first lesson learned as a broadcaster, what was something that maybe caught you off guard when you got into broadcasting? <clears throat> well, I can tell you a real story. <laughs> this is <laughs> what caught me off guard was um, how nervous I was. I mean, I had done. I mean, not, I'm not trying to like pump myself up, but, you know, with Joy Drop, we'd played in front of 25, 30,000 people at festivals. I had done Rockstar in Excess, which was, you know, we had, a, I dare say, an audience of millions yeah. occasionally. Um, so I had done things that were nerve wracking, big, sang anthems at game, hockey games and basketball games. And I worked at Sun TV. That was my first television job. And for those people who don't remember, because many people will not, Sun TV was a little tiny station in Toronto that uh, the Sun Media Network was just holding on to. It eventually became Sun News Network. I did not work there. But so it was a tiny little station that had to have some local programming. And I don't know how many people watched it, but like not a lot. 
And I remember doing one of my first double enders. Um, double enders is kind of like, well, like what we're doing, like in, in boxes, right? Okay. And okay. like, and I got so nervous that I basically had a panic attack. On screen. On screen. And it was, I mean, nobody caught it. It was a little bit on the cusp of the YouTube era. Um, but I like ducked out of frame. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I literally, that was, that was it. So, you know, it was a real wake up call. And first of all, I was also, I came in exhausted, hungover, honestly. Um, yeah, I'd been living a different lifestyle and I had to get my shit together. Discipline wise, you know, I had to really change the way that I lived and I had to be aware that actually I I have nerves that I have to confront. Yeah. So that's a bit of a a lesson in like, I guess you'd call it preparation, right? And even the way that you like target your curiosity towards the subject would be way different if you're not really, uh, yeah, if you're not in the right mindset. So I hear that. I hear that. What's your most memorable interview in like, you know, just like you felt so good walking away from it? And it can be from any era of your career. I always wish I asked this question. I always forget to. Ah, um, God, you know, there's, I mean, we've done so many. um, And, you know, I just, I always think that I, because like, I mean, I've interviewed tons of famous people and that's really cool always. But. To me, it's always the ones where you are able to create a safe space Um, because a lot of people come in vulnerable, you know, either it it makes them nervous, like sitting in front of these lights with studios are very quiet um, or it's a sensitive topic. I I think today, um, as we record this, today is the day that uh, the papal visit started in Canada and the Pope is making basically a, a tour and apologizing um, to First Nations in Canada for the residential school system or the part that the Catholic Church played. Um, present at his first stop was Chief Wilton Littlechild, um, who is a remarkable man. He's a residential school survivor himself and he was a guest of ours at Enoch Cree Nation, which was our first hometown hockey um, First Nations hosted visit. So I would say that's certainly among them. I mean, that stands out to me, I think, in particular today. Um, this he, he was like a Buddha Wilton little child. He just, I mean, he's this amazing, wise, calm presence. Um, but to be present in his space, and I, I think... I, feel like be able to to create the environment the sort of container for him to mm-hmm. speak his truth um that was that stood out to me mm-hmm. what do you think is going through his head today <laughs> uh, i mean i you know he was part of the papal delegation um that went to the vatican and i i think it has to be very very meaningful i haven't had a chance yet to to see he he did speak this morning um so i will go back and watch that but yeah um, this is a there are obviously a lot of people with a lot of emotion all over the place but it, it will just be very meaningful to him 
you know, I think a lot of people know your name to be synony- synonymous, synonymous with synonymous with um, you know speaking out and taking action on some of these difficult topics, like you said, that aren't always uh, represented properly in the media. Yeah. Uh, when when did you first feel comfortable to start using your platform like that? Because I imagine that even even though we're saying like you know broadcasting as a you know in sports or in entertainment, there's definitely some ties there. You know, I imagine that something from the joy drop era led to this in the sports era. Yeah. I mean, I definitely taken the bull by the horns more in the last few years. Um, but for sure, I mean, I think it's a result of feeling both marginalized and empowered, you know, I mean, I know what it's like to, to be a woman in a male dominated field or fields, I know what it's like to be a woman in the world. I also recognize the the privilege of being a, you know, a white woman, a, a white woman yeah. um, of means and a cisgendered het woman. And so, you know, I, I recognize all of that. Um, I've always, you know, I, I just ever since I was a kid, I've always had a deep sense of like fairness or like what's what I think is just and unjust. So I know I've always been that kid to speak to speak out. Um, you know, if you wanted to argue about feminism in grade 11, I, that would have been me. Yeah. But I, so, I, you know, I remember using my voice at times when I was in joy drop, but also sometimes not, not feeling empowered to, to do that and, and regretting it later. So, you know, I think just as, I don't know, as I get older, um, certainly hometown hockey, you know, fueled that fire in me and also gave me the platform. And I, I recognized that, that it could be useful and, and I could, I could use it for what I think of as, as good and, and positive change. And I also, I recognize that, you know, it hasn't made me, um, everybody's cup of tea. You know, we I, love I, it though. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, love I mean, it. listen, and I love you for that. Like I, I think, you know, the people that I want to align myself with, um, are aligned with that. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, sure, I'm not going to land a job in certain places probably because of it, but I don't want to work there anyway. Right. And again, that's a very privileged thing to say. I recognize that as well. Is Twitter your favorite? It seems like Twitter's one of your, your favorite <laughs> platforms to use. It's, I mean, I to me, it's the most effective for that kind of dialogue. I Maybe mm-hmm. I'm like, that's I'm better at it. I mean, it's certainly more newsy and more more topical mm-hmm. um yeah i mean I, I guess i i no i'm not gonna say i use them all because i'm not even venturing into TikTok land i feel like it could be so um time consuming that i just don't think it's a good idea but <laughs> yeah. yes for sure twitter has been i mean it's also to me the most toxic um so you have to be really careful but for me especially during the pandemic when we all felt so alienated that's where I found a lot of community. There are a lot of people in sports and hockey in particular um, who are really trying to affect change. And, and that has also fueled, fueled my fire. Yeah, and we, we cannot have this conversation, actually, without referencing, you know, a, a statement that was just made today. Um, like I said, we're recording late July right now, and a statement's just come out 
from the Canadian national women's hockey team um, about everything going on with Hockey Canada. And, you know, I, I know that people are going to your Twitter on a day like today or even when the story was first circulating, wondering mm-hmm. what does someone disrespected like Tara Sloan, what does she have to say about something like this? And I think people have really come to respect, you know, what you have to say on topics like this. Um, is it safe to say that, I mean, you heard these stories years ago, even though the public is just hearing them now? I mean, I certainly didn't know, you know, as we speak right now, the, the the big horrific stories that have come out are about the 2018 junior 2003. team and the 2003. I, I certainly didn't know anything about that. Um, but I mean, do I have an awareness that it's a completely, you know, a hotbed of toxic masculinity? Um of bullying of non-consensual activity that's that's not a secret to anyone um Mm -hmm. and it's it's sort of top down you know it's um so i think my line of the last few days when i've been doing press is i'm shocked and i'm not surprised and so Mm -hmm. you know in in a lot of ways i'm i'm grateful that these stories are emerging i'm grateful that there are people in power who are taking it very seriously. And I'm grateful that, you know, if this uh, acts as a catalyst, because, you know, not everything does. I I've, I think there are a lot of us who thought what happened with Kyle Beach um, would act as a catalyst. And I think maybe we're still waiting. So, but yeah. this this does seem like the House of Cards is, is about to about to topple. So, um. I'm I'm glad that people are taking notice, and I, I think there's a lot more ahead. It's Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media podcast and the founder of the Women in Media Network. Yep, now there's an entire network. I've been working really hard to get things off the ground. And what would I do without coffee? I can barely function without it. But I feel much better about putting a coffee that's full of superfoods in my body. I've been loving the Focus Fuel Instant Mushroom Coffee from Organic Traditions. And of course, all the ingredients are organic. It's packed with lion's mane mushroom to support memory, focus, and cognitive function, adaptogens to nourish your brain, and MCT powder to boost your energy and improve mental clarity. And before you make that face, no, it doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes like coffee. Actually, better than most. There are hints of cinnamon and vanilla, and it is absolutely delicious. Did I mention it also just won Best New Mushroom Enhanced Beverage in a 2024 Brand Spark survey? Want to try the Focus Fuel Mushroom Coffee yourself? Head to OrganicTraditions.com and use the promo code WOMENINMEDIA20 for 20% off at checkout. And by the way, that applies for the entire site, not just the coffee. You're welcome. Just add water and get at it. So in the spotlight, when you comment on something like Kyle Beach, I remember reading um, about, you know, some... Some NHLers who had an opinion right away and said, oh, not doing anything with Sportsnet ever again um, because of comments like that. What goes through your mind when you hear that? Well, I think I know who you're talking about. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, No, I mean, they that was Twitter. That was a little Twitter thing. Things, you know, people get heated and political. I mean, no NHLer can say that Sportsnet holds the rights to to <laughs> um, to the NHL. So uh, it was just a little Twitter tiff, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, 
listen, we're, we're all paying attention and we're not going to have the, the same opinions on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really do think uh, that hockey culture breeds an insularity, um, a, you know, a fraternal culture of silence. I, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> it just is, true. and they and they protect each other, and um, you know, I, I guess that has that can be good in some instances, but in a lot of instances, it's it's protecting a, a lot of nasty stuff. And for the women's team to say, please make sure we're involved in these conversations and have seats around the table. This is the important part of what we do next, right, in this industry. Um, and a lot of you know what's happening inside Hockey Canada. There's so many parallels to other things in the industry right like this is not just uh one organization there are many that have these things that have all been swept under the rug before so i'm curious like what what your reaction to the the statement from the um the women's team is and how how you would go about if you had a, a seat at the table what would be some of the the first things you'd want to see happen um, well, I think a lot more unearthing has to happen. Yeah. You know, I, I want to know. And and there are, again, I guess this will be dated by the time it comes out. But there are a lot of, I mean, I just currently have a lot of questions. Like these funds that were diverted to, you know, <laughs> like to pay off, you know, complainants. Um, you know, there there are a lot of like ethical bombshells that first of all i would just want to get to the bottom of who did the names Mm -hmm. yeah if we're talking about how hockey canada needs to be reorganized and how this needs to be addressed who decided that funds from hockey kids you know from minor hockey kids can can be diverted to create this slush fund like who did this stuff because quite honestly um I don't think those people deserve to be in charge anymore. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what would I do? I, I'd have to think long and hard, and I certainly wouldn't make any autonomous decisions. Yeah. But 100% that you have to involve, you have to involve different faces, different people other than your typical hockey people. And it's not just women. It should be people of color. It should be people from the LGBTQ community it should be people who from the disability communities it should be everybody um because i I feel like there's just a lack of accountability when it's just one taste and it's all the same fraternity generationally you've done so many amazing interviews with people that are well known and not well known that fly under the radar but is there an interview that like sticks out as someone from a marginalized community that you will never forget their story I remember the first time we went to Whitehorse, probably in our third year uh, on hometown hockey, and um, we interviewed a trans man named Chase Blodgett, who was playing with the Whitehorse Women's Hockey League. Um, and to you know, we knew it was a big deal to have Chase on our show. And again, it was one of those moments where you know, it wasn't about us; it was about a, you know, Chase and Chase's story, but also um, the community of hockey because the the Whitehorse Women's Hockey League changed their, whatever their rules basically for a- allowing a trans man to play with them. So it was just showcasing this whole, the beauty of, of the game and the beauty mm-hmm. of the community surrounding the game. 
Um, but I mean, gosh, we've had, yeah, we've had so many, like it's so many. It's the fact that you'll to... always remember the name and the place though, that, <laughs> that one will stick out for sure. Yeah. Speaking of women sitting around the table, we're seeing more and more women in leadership positions in sports. The Vancouver Canucks just hired their first female assistant GM in team history, Emily Castongay. This summer, the Chicago Blackhawks promoted Megan Hunter to assistant GM. You've got Haley Wickenheiser and the Toronto Maple Leafs, another summer promotion. I think we're at five female AGMs now. It's happening, but it, it's sort of a slow grind. Oh, I mean, it's, I think it's it's got to happen. It's I mean, this year alone has it's been a lot better and it's not just agms you know it's it's yeah. directors of of player development and and other other really important roles um i think it's got to happen faster and um you know i i think the it's it's hard loving this game sometimes and sure. but the reason that everybody's still around and the reason that they're sticking with it is um because because they love it and because they believe that that change can come. So um, sure, like working for the, the Blackhawks organization right now would be hard. Working in hockey is hard. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think we all have moments where we just feel like, oh, my God, like I, yeah. I give up. But mm -hmm. when you have seen um, the beauty of the game, then you can't turn your back. What's been one of the most like difficult times for you in the spotlight? Well, you know, I think, I mean, this is probably like recency bias, but, you know, after, I mean, and I gave a whole diatribe about it, but it really was when the whole Kyle Beach story broke. And I got to give props to Rick Westhead, full disclosure, he's my friend, but, um, you know, the work that he has, has been doing um, and now on, on Hockey Canada is, is incredible. Um, but to me... You know, Kyle Beach's uh, story or the emergence of it really marked a whole bunch of red flags to yeah. me. And I found like the NHL was kind of patting itself on the back uh, about initiatives that it had put in place. Meanwhile, you know, and I, I mean, I've said this all before, but, you know, after george floyd was murdered and there was a racial reckoning in, in the world of sports i don't think the nhl used the words racism it was like hockey for equality or just i mean it was just like a, a little it was just really safe and just yeah. all these things were happening that the nhl just was not taking a leadership position in. and I was really discouraged when the Montreal Canadiens drafted Logan Mayu in, in the first round of the 2021 draft. Um, and right. this is the kid who plays for the London Knights now who was found to have distributed sexual images without consent when he was playing in Sweden. And I just thought, like, we are literally rewarding this person and his behavior. The first round, like, who thinks that's okay? And then after the whole Kyle Beach situation happened, you know, initially when the story broke about the lawsuit itself, um, you know, not there was not a lot of media coverage, and for a variety of reasons, I think that there were some uh, some media who wanted to cover it and couldn't. I think that there is a lot of culture of like fear of upsetting the NHL and what yeah. the repercussions of that will be, but it wasn't 
nearly a big enough story. And that's why it was such an absolute bombshell um, when John Doe was revealed to be Kyle Beach and, and that big interview happened. So uh, to me, you know, that was, I put myself squarely in the spotlight you know, but it wasn't for me. I think I reflected just a whole bunch of people and how they were feeling. But I certainly, you know, I made a lot of enemies that day, the day that I, I spoke about it on on Hometown Hockey. You can almost hear like a little bit of the fear in your voice about that. But I also <laughs> imagine that's one of your proudest moments as well. Yes. I mean, I'm and I'm proud. Well, I, I, I'm proud that I was able to do that. And it's not just a personal pride. I'm proud of the show that I worked on that, mm-hmm. you know, I am proud that I had an executive producer, Allison Redmond, who knew I was going to say something and didn't ask me what. Ugh. There, nobody yes. asked me for a script. Nobody asked for me, me for anything. And I'm proud of my co-host Ron McLean for sitting there and, and letting me talk. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I'm and I'm proud that we had a show that was able to provide the platform for for such a discussion. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look at what Ron McLean's been through with people going off script. I'm sure this is one of the easiest oh. ones. He's dealt with. Yeah, yeah. At least. Yes. Yes. I think. Uh, yeah, he he didn't have to have my back so much. But you know what, you're you're touching on something that's really important in this industry, and that's like collaboration and the colleagues and the team that are with you for whatever it is, whether it's music or sports or or whatever you're working on. Um, Talk about what allows you to feel empowered. I think it's two things. Well, no, it's not. It's more than two things. But I mean, two things that just come to mind. I mean, the support, right? Like, Hometown Hockey is a perfect example where I just feel like everybody had each other's backs. Um, you know, from the very beginning. And so you feel propped up by by that energy. And we've talked about this before. I mean, preparation. Yeah. You know, like being armed with knowledge and, um, yeah, yeah research and Back up thought. the fire you're going to spit. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I think those two things. But again, for me, it's also just my personal journey and, and age and being a mom, I think, has shifted the way that I approach the world and, and the difference that I want to make as well. For sure. Um, what about a time someone like opposite was not making you feel empowered and as a matter of fact, made you like second guess yourself? Well, I mean, I've, <laughs> I'm uh, buying time with this drink of water because I have to think of what I can yeah. say. I'll just say that I have been, I think I've been punished sort of overtly and covertly for for speaking my mind at times. I think there were some gigs I didn't necessarily get. Um, but I think, you know, one of, one of the most kind of deflating experiences I had was after a hometown hockey um, Sunday night game. We all went out. I'm not going to say where we were. I'm not going to say <laughs> who, who it was, but we were out. Um, we had, you know, we typically would all go out for a bite to eat and a, and a drink. And I was sitting at a table with my male colleagues and the guest that night, who happened to be a very high up uh, in the NHL. 
And I literally was ignored in that conversation, not by my colleagues, but by this, this man um, who looked right past me. Uh, and those moments are enough to kind of really take the wind out of your sails. And I think only alluded to me once in the context of something very stereotypically feminine or something. But it was clear that I was not deemed worthy or educated enough to participate in this hockey based conversation. And that, that uh, certainly I will never forget that. Yeah. And how many women hearing what you're saying right now are saying, oh, yeah, I've had that one, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And how did me. how did you deal with it? I walked away. Okay. I just left. I mean, there was, what was I going to say? I mean, I suppose, you know, I, I could have been fiery about it and I could have said, you know what? You just literally ignored me. Um, but I didn't, I just, I needed to take myself out of the, that space. Yeah. He was, he was harshing my vibe. well also after all the experience that you know that you've had part of it is is knowing where to waste your energy right and where to put your energy yeah Yeah, I mean I have to create my own boundaries I can't just always be mad (laughs) with your daughter has there ever been like a question that she asked about your work that you didn't know how to answer something that maybe caught you off guard from her or something that was just so cute and curious that you were excited <laughs> to talk about just you know I, I imagine that you get lots of questions about Not, your career well, yeah no nothing that I can think of I mean off the top of my head I'm probably when we're done I'll be like oh it was this you know <laughs> she had sort of an interesting reaction she was very not phased at all by seeing me on TV I mean I started at breakfast television when she was one so she was you know she's grown up really used to seeing that so um But hockey for her became the thing that took me away from her. And so she actually kind of, it bred some resentment in her. So she Mm -hmm. really just wasn't very interested. So I think that's another very common piece too, right? Because a lot of women are making choices um, about their careers. I remember Kayla Gray talked about this on the podcast too. And, And her thought was, well, as long as my son sees what I've done, and what it took, I, I know that everything will be fine in, in yeah. the way that he'll think about my time away. What was it like going through like pregnancy and all of that in the spotlight for you? Well, pre- when I was pregnant, I was, I had just finished, uh, I, it was my transition between Sun TV, that little station and breakfast television. So I was blissfully out of the spotlight at that time. Right. Um, so it was when Audrey was one that I started at breakfast television but I mean, so that was five years of waking up at 3 a.m. And then, you know, then there was a, a crossover year where I was doing that and hometown hockey. And then, you know, then a lot of years of, of leaving every weekend. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel that. And, you know, she's she noticed <laughs> she she noticed. Yeah. Um, and I I think I'm ready. To, like, I can't imagine at this point what it would take to make me you know take on another role that that had that kind of sacrifice you know Mm -hmm. i just i just don't have the fire i have the fire to do good and important work but i don't have the fire to do everything yeah so yeah what i mean we're talking to you at a really interesting time well like what what's still on the to-do list for you because like you have 
most people don't even have one of the careers that you've had. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I, I mean, I certainly think I'm going to stay in hockey in some capacity. I think I'll definitely stay in sports. You know, I, I'm, what's interesting to me and I'm sort of supplicating the universe. I, I want to, to do a bunch of stuff. And I'm hoping that the the universe allows me to do that. I definitely am very passionate about the women in sports space and the equity mm-hmm. in sports. Um, yeah. You know, I think that there's a lot to discover about that world. And, you know, I mean, women in sports, like women's sports are really still just limping along. It, there's yeah. so much work that needs to be done. It's so a, it's I, amazing they've somehow continued, <laughs> right? It it is against all odds, really. So I, I think yeah. you know, but there are a lot of people doing amazing work. So I, I'm interested in in diving in more, and I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'll say academically only because you know I just I think there's a lot of learning to do. Not because I want to go back to school or something. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure I'll be in hockey in some capacity, but yeah, on camera, off camera, I'm not sure. We don't know. on camera a little bit. <laughs> so even like a show like your top of her game, uh, which I loved, you poured a lot of your heart and soul into that. Now you have an opportunity and some time. Like, could you see yourself creating something like that on your own, completely independent from a network? From a network, for sure. I mean, I think I yeah. would always want to have some some collaboration and, and know that I'm not making something entirely into the void. You know, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people creating content out there. And um, I think you this know, is even created to- literally in the void, <laughs> just so we know. <laughs> but even, you know, I, I think even for me, even getting the, the guests that I would want, it's it's a hard sell sometimes. So what, would I try to have a little bit of backing? Yes. Would it have to be a network? Absolutely not. I, you know, yeah. I don't think. Um, that's not where the future is headed exclusively. I think that there's a lot of different opportunities. So um, would I love to continue doing something like that? Yes, absolutely. Are people still asking you about Joy Drop reunions? Yeah, amazingly. (laughs) I can't believe it. I'm so happy. I'm I'm almost so much happier when people remember me from that than anything else because it's so long (laughs) ago. But um, I'm still friends with uh, with two out of the three guys, like we're super tight and, you know, we've, before the pandemic, we would do kind of like one reunion show a year. I'm not sure there's anything imminent, (laughs) but next year, 2023, I can't believe this is the 25th anniversary of our first single beautiful. So maybe something. Oh my gosh. I remember so watching old, all the so videos old. on Much Music. To be honest, I didn't even connect you as the sports person to the musician. I did not put it together at all. Yeah, so- well, it was, uh, there was a big gap between time, <laughs> yeah. the timeline is like, whoop. Okay, I wanted to go back to Topper for Game for one more question here before I get okay. you to nominate a couple women to come on this podcast. Okay. From Topper Her Game, can you tell me about a memorable guest that really opened up? I mean, there are a lot, and I'll just give this an honorable mention because I was so nervous, um, but I was really scared about interviewing Christine Sinclair because she notoriously does not love doing interviews. You know, she's like, she's just, she's a very private person, and and I felt like we had a good interview, so I was very happy. Yeah. Um, Oh, my goodness. So many. Um, One that stands out to me was 
uh, a former WWE wrestler named Gabby Tuft, who was just, just who had just transitioned really pretty recently. Um, she has since undergone a physical transition, but she was a big buff, like hyper masculine uh, wrestler. And that was a very vulnerable interview in, wow. a, in a world that I think surprised a lot of people. Where can people go to like watch back some of these interviews that we're mentioning? I think unless they've removed them from their <laughs> website. <laughs> like on YouTube, be, right? They, yeah, they should be at sportsnet.ca. I, I, okay. hope, I can't imagine they would have like erased them. Yeah. They should, no, they're at sportsnet.ca. Should, they should all live there. Something we need to know about Ron McClain that we don't know. Well, I don't know if people don't know this, but I think his his passion for music rivals his passion for hockey. Like he is a music fanatic. I've lover, lover. I've been lucky enough to interview him on like Canadian Country Music Awards red carpet and a, and a couple events like that. And yeah, I I would say that. Yeah, for sure. Huge fan. What's something geeky about his music collection? Who's he Who's he obsessed with? I only got like a minute with him, you know. Um. I mean, we definitely don't share all the same taste in music. <laughs> I don't know if it's geeky, but he like he he loves. I think his favorite song is Baker Street. But or really? at least at least is up there in his like all time favorite songs, which is a great song. Did he play sax growing up or like? No, no, not at all. No, and I will say that he is an unabashed singer with like a <laughs> questionable ear. <laughs> is there a tape somewhere of you guys singing sometimes want to die? <laughs> well, not that, but but probably, I mean, we did one night, um, we did uh, karaoke in Calgary, but it could exist somewhere. Somebody probably has it. <laughs> so funny. Okay, so the last segment um, of this podcast, uh, who are some women who you completely admire in uh, in the spotlight in some way, shape, or form that you think would have amazing stories to tell on this podcast? Well, the first one I'd love to nominate is uh, an incredible woman named Shireen Ahmed, who I have learned so much from. And forgive me if you've, if you've had these women on. Um, Shireen uh, now works for the CBC as a senior reporter. Um, she is also with a podcast called Burn It All Down, which is uh, a group of women in, in sports media who do incredible work and some academic, some, you know, more reporting. Um, Shireen really, as a, um, you know, as a Muslim woman, has been really uh, dedicated to uh, looking at racism in sport. And just, like, she's just, she's, I, I learn so much from her all the time. So the next one, I want to nom nominate my dear friend, Christine Simpson, who is oh, would love to have her. one of, you know, the um, best hockey broadcasters this country has ever turned out. And, you know, one of the the first women in the hockey hockey world. Um, and so. she looks completely unfazed about her entire career. Like, it's just she's like, so, oh, she's yeah. so good. She's so perfect. She's beautiful. <laughs> I love her. Her hair is always perfect also. Um, so, yes, not not because her hair is perfect, but she, she should definitely. <laughs> her whole family's hair is perfect, actually. It's not fair. Um, 
And then I think another woman I would love to nominate, and this is someone who's younger, but really like really on her journey is Chanel Keenan. Um, Chanel is, has, she was just in a role with the Seattle Kraken as um, their intersectionality consultant. Ah. And she is a very strong, um, she, I mean, she, she's a disability advocate, but she's also, you know, she just, she's amazing. So I would check her out. With, with your boyfriend, he's got a whole NHL history too, right? And like you've, mm-hmm. you've spoken about your relationship a little bit. Um, it must be an interesting household when you guys are together. Yeah. I mean, it's touchy, right? Like he, yeah. he had a really long NHL career and he was in that, he is in that hockey fraternity. Um, so we have, you know, we don't always see eye to eye. You know, I have some I would pretty think. definitive views, but we have, so we have some, you know, we do some, some dancing around, but uh, always have productive conversations for sure. That's what matters, right? Like, yeah. it's cool to disagree, but like, let's be productive about it. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed oh, talking thank to you. you. Thank you. This was an excellent interview. You aren't in the bad category. You're in the great category. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. But honestly, like, I think there's uh, many, many women in broadcasting who would love to follow in your footsteps. So, well, thank you. New episodes are back bi-weekly. And next up, the only black woman programming country music in Canada. Back soon with Morgan James and her incredible story from hip-hop to now country. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Where's us luck? This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.